Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Road to Radical Visibility, the place for LGBTQ plus neurodiverse and female entrepreneurs and communities to gather together to become more bold in the expression of themselves, their mission, and their truth in life and business. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm Rachel Freeman Sowers, and I cannot wait to bring you um, this episode. I put, it's so funny. I put my hands together and as you can see, already joined me as our guest, but you're just gonna have to wait to meet her in just one second. But just observing, you know, putting my hands together, being ever so grateful for the show and for all of you that are listening. So thank you so much. Um, my guest today is, um, wow, I didn't think I was going to get emotional. So this is real. I'm not going to edit any of this out. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure to go and watch it on the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Anyway, um, I just feel so grateful and blessed to have found my mentor, Morgana McCabe-Allen, who is my guest today. And I think the emotions come from just being so grateful and gratitude. I'm wondering if you have also, I'm getting tissue here, if you've also experienced these kind of emotions um, of gratitude, because when you do, it is an incredible just overwhelming feeling in your body. And I found Morgana through another coach who I'm so grateful um, for also in this whole entire process of growth for myself. And um, I'm going to read her introduction to you. And then you will see very clearly why she is here on my show, why we have connected in such a beautiful, spiritual and collaborative way. And um, I know that you will benefit from this. So make sure that you listen until the end of the show today. So let me introduce her right now. Dr. Morgana McCabe-Allen has an interdisciplinary PhD on how being the experience of identity and reality is constructed in relationship with all the people, places, things, ideas, social constructs, emotions, and non-corporal entities, and more that we interact with. Morgana helps aspiring entrepreneurs and frustrated entrepreneurs, which I was one of those, up to seven and eight figure business owners to understand the relationship between themselves, their work, and the world around them, opening them up to their potential with huge shifts in their experience of being in the world. Have you heard that before? Being in the world. That's what this show is all about. Through her coaching and mentoring Coaches, therapists, practitioners, and heart-centered providers um, can learn how to create internal abundance founded on serving soulmate clients as their higher self. It's all about opening up the capacity to receive, impact the end income with joy, freedom, and ease. So if you are an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, or I guess, or any entrepreneur that wants to start receiving and making that impact and income with joy, freedom, and ease. I want to encourage you to listen to the show. Thank you so much, Morgana, for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I was getting emotional too. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not uncommon for people to cry on this show. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's also not uncommon for people to cry in my sessions. Yeah. It's just a big cry fest all right. Well, and as you and I both know, these emotions, they're not always sad. They're not always happy, but it's really important to express these things. And that's part of becoming visible. One thing I wanted to say really quick, I wanted to look here, um, is you said that I could also introduce you as this is my witch, 
Like <laughs> I love that so much because there's a spiritual component to entrepreneurship and there is a spiritual component to visibility. So I start out with this question with every single one of my guests. What does radical visibility mean to you? That's a wonderful um, uh, and fascinating question to start with. And from my point of view today, so this is my today answer, and then I'll give you my bigger answer. My today answer is showing up as I am, even though I've not been ready well for the past few days. and I've been in a lot of discomfort. Um, I won't go into the gory details, but I wasn't able to wash my hair today. Um, and so part of radical visibility for me is showing up for the commitment that I've made and with excitement and passion about my work, even although I'm not perfectly presented. Um, what radical visibility has meant for me in, in, in the bigger sort of scheme of things is to be authentic, to bring all that you are, to be prepared to share the things that are hard to share, that can be um, a, a, an emotional side of you. It can also be um, a rebellious side of you, um, but to, you know, to bring all the parts that you are and to integrate it into your work, not because uh, somebody said you should or it's a good idea or that's how you make money or that's a great bet or whatever, but because it's it's what you're compelled to do from the inside out. Mm-hmm. I love how you gave me a definition of what it is presently for you and then what it is overall for you, because that is, that is really authentic. Um, as we know, becoming visible, it's not, we can feel a certain way and still bring our most authentic self and be visible, right? And there is a bigger picture to what visibility means to each one of us and radical visibility for that matter. Like for some people, maybe it's doing a five minute video for some people like me, it's doing these shows and constantly showing up on video. It's a beautiful way but I want to get back to these different kind of parts of ourself and, and what makes up different parts of ourself and making sure that the audience does know and the viewers know that we're not talking about any kind of mental health, multiple personality thing. So, mm. so can you tell us a little bit about that and how those, how they're created by, what are they created by? Oh, absolutely. So in, in the first instance, they're created in collaboration with the world right? So we are in a collaborative reality where there are things that we experience internally and things which are external and they communicate with one another. And what winds up happening is that as we take part in more and more different storylines, we have a certain set of expectations and a picture of ourselves, a way that we put ourselves out to the world, what we expect to receive and stuff that doesn't fit in a new environment. So we wind up with another version and another version. So you, you know, in the first instance, you're a daughter and then a sister and then a mother and like, but you're also maybe um, a student and you might have a different version of yourself in your hobbies. So, you know, I at school was one of the children that had more money and you know more availability to take part in exciting hobbies and all the rest of it. But then when I went to horse riding, I was by far the poorest child there and I didn't have my own horse and you know all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. you then have these who, who, who am I and how do I comport myself and how do I fit in and interact in these different settings? And so we wind up, you can you get a I mean for me personally in my own life having a point where it's like there's the part of me that understands myself to be you know well off and the part of me that understands myself to be that you know poorer than everybody else in a conversation with each other and I had actually started off just for you know full disclosure with a very very poor background so we had come a long way we'd had by the, by that time we'd come a long long mm-hmm. way from where we started um to then be confronted with this how far there still is to go 
So you get all these internal conversations where one part of you is like, well, this is how we fit in the world. And another part is like, that is absolutely not true. <laughs> yes. Um, Go ahead. And it, it's not just at the level of the mind. We experience mm-hmm. this at the level of the body and the heart and the mind and the soul. And it's definitely not a mental health thing. It's the, the experience of the human condition is that we are essentially multiple. And we try and just steamroller over all of it because it's so much more convenient to call yourself an individual than to recognize that we are quite messy and collaborative even with ourselves before we even connect with another human being. Well, and I love that because in all the work that I've done as a therapist and now really coming into this new different kind of work and also, you know, bringing those parts of me into this work but allowing me to see myself in a different way. One of the ways, if people are kind of struggling to conceptualize this, that happens is it happens with money. If you've grown up in poverty and you've worked your ass off and you're like, okay, I got to get this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this to be this kind of human being in the world. This is the kind of life I want. And now you have money. Why is it sometimes that you don't manage money well? Or why is it sometimes, you know, there's different parts of you at all those different stages. Um, Another common example for me has been the part of me that doesn't feel good enough sometimes. And then the part of me that's like the queen part of me that's like, hey, I'm here. This is my message. This is how it's rolling. This is what we're doing, you know, in a very calm, affirmed kind of way. Noticing too that it's not all just um, we're taught to, to kind of chop off these parts of us that don't fit into society. Oh, yeah. And the um, the extent to which we're taught to chop parts of ourselves off means that there's virtually nothing left that feels authentic because you don't only chop parts off. You have to put parts on that are not there. Like I, I wanted to do art. I was, you know, artistic, creative, expressive. I'm left-handed and right-brained. And like I, I had just all of this sort of creative spark. But I happen to also be good at science and maths and those are validated and I got gold stickers and stars and brownie points and whatnot every time I did well at them. So I got all the way through to enrolling in university and starting university thinking that I'm not creative and that I'm really good at sciences and I'm really good at maths and that should be, you know, I should go down that line. And it it took me a, you know, a number of different, you know, life experiences and I was unpacking trauma from my childhood and stuff and virtually on you know on the brink of feeling suicidal before I realized this is not authentic to me this is something I stuck on like this is this is a a fake thing that I have added onto myself and I've gotten so good at doing it that I've forgotten that it was fake I'm just gonna let that like I've forgotten it was fake like that's that's just like this to me because we then believe that we forget it's fake and we think it's who we are. We think that that becomes our reality. To push against that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. They know this is not what's happening, right? We find it in the online entrepreneurial world where people are like, you're, you're selling something that you don't embody. You even create the copy that doesn't embody you. You, you think that things are built on systems, which we do need some systems, I guess. I don't know. Do we? Let's just throw all that out there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Do we? <laughs> um, and, by any other name. <laughs> oh, right. Um, 
And that will make us successful. But we forget that we, being ourselves is the truest thing, not success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about all these, the structures, the strategies, the frameworks, they all amplify what is there. They don't create anything new. They just amplify what is there. So um, in a, in the small microcosm, if you decide, for example, that you're going to run Facebook ads for your business, if you don't have clarity, they just amplify your lack of clarity. If you're not converting, they just amplify how much you're not converting, right? They just mm-hmm. amplify what's there. And that happens at the big cultural level as well. You know, um, whatever structures and frameworks that we have in our society, even with the best will in the world, they wind up still amplifying what's there. It just looks different, but it's still present. And if that wasn't the case, then patriarchy would have been brought down ages ago. Yeah, I I feel like that's really evident. And this is probably the first time I've said this in this kind of environment. So, but like there in the town where I live, there are LGBTQ plus community. And yet when you get out of the town I live and go to other cities and visit, visit LGBT plus Q, to Q communities, um, you see that this one is still oppressed. But we think that we're free, but we live under this thing here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when you allow yourself to be exposed to something, to think something different, to believe, to play, like I say, with the possibility that maybe this isn't all there is, maybe this isn't it, we can we can expand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's that courage. And I wonder how you have found courage in your own experiences, because you have got some very interesting <laughs> stories, for sure. Wonderful stories. But like, yeah. how did you find the courage to shift your, your way of being? I think the first thing is to recognize that we have to find the courage only for a moment. And we have to find it in every moment. Rather, you don't just become a courageous person where you just, you know, fully tapped into courage all the time, but you only the time it's bit. I'm going to tell a story which is in some ways deeply inappropriate, but it speaks to my character. And I think it will, I think that's will okay. Just, That'll be good for the show. I am, um, I, there's a time in my life where I had a, I, I have been through multiple abusers and a very toxic relationship with myself and a toxic relationship with a partner. And I had gotten into financial difficulties and a whole bunch of other things. And I suddenly had this realization that I could become a stripper because I really didn't have anything else to lose at this point. It was basically, it was as low as I could go. I could choose to end it all or I could do something. And that seemed like, well, that's quick, easy. And it spoke to the abilities that I had because I had been to dance school, right? I knew how to sell things and I didn't have money and stripping would fix that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also was somebody with a decade of eating disorder. Can you not stop please? And <laughs> sorry, a decade of eating disorders and a, a not good relationship with my body. So what to do? Could I do it? And I went to the job interview and I thought, okay, <laughs> sorry my head's just floating around I think he's trying to listen to the story <laughs> um I thought okay well all I have to do is get to the job interview right it just I just go I, I have nothing to lose by just going I've just booked the, the interview right so I went to the interview and I was like okay so 
I have nothing to lose by just going in. I just need to go in. I only need enough courage to go through the door. And when I got inside the door, um, I just need enough courage to answer the first question. And then they asked me to take my clothes off so they could check if I had any weird tattoos or, you know, birthmarks or anything they would check for. Um, and I just need enough courage to take my clothes off for a minute so that they can just, you know, check that there's nothing weird going on there. No third nipple or anything. Um, and But they never said to me, put your clothes back on, Right. They never actually said, okay, that's great, you're done, you can put your clothes back on. So I didn't put them back on. I did my whole job interview. The whole rest of the interview is stark naked because I was just like, I just need enough courage to answer the next question. I just need enough courage to answer the next question. I just need to stay, stay in this moment and answer the next question. And at the end of it, they gave me the job. And they're also like, you are by far the bravest, most incredible person that we have ever interviewed. And we would give you the job twice if we could. <laughs> and it wasn't it was not that I have some incredible well of courage in actual fact I was always on the brink always on the edge of can I just summon enough for one more can I just answer the next question and that's really the same thing that I do all the time like so for example when I'm posting a Facebook post that's really vulnerable which you know sometimes I post things that most people would not post mm-hmm. Instead of editing and everything, I post it unedited and it's posted. And then I go in and I edit it once it's already posted because I know I just need enough courage to press post and then I can go in and fix the spelling mistakes. And then I just need enough courage to say, yes, the spelling mistakes. But by that point, it's already posted. Somebody's already seen it. It's out there. And so it's always just about, you know, actually being present in the moment, being present in my body, feeling what I'm feeling in that time. And recognizing it and being in communication with myself rather than trying to think how how do I become a brave person you know how do I I become a courageous person that's got all the courage in the world is a very tricky prospect because we're all we all we can ever do is co-create with the moment that we're in so I'm wondering if if those of you that are listening or watching this can relate those times it, it isn't through this constant just pushing and major action all the time. Yes, there are times of that we propel forward. But the fact of the matter is, it's this choice, this courage to choose every single moment, the way you want to be, the way you want to be being in the world. And it, and it does take courage. Um, and you kept on saying, I've had not, I have nothing to lose, right? I've said that to myself, well, what do I have to lose? I don't have anything to lose. If I don't do this, I still don't have money. If I do this, I have more money. And something that no one ever knows that hasn't, I've never told anyone, maybe my wife knows, but I don't know. Like at one point in time, I was like, I could totally be a prostitute because I'm really good at sex. I mean, let's just throw that out there because I could make money. It wasn't something, I mean, like, it's so funny saying that out loud now because I don't feel any embarrassment or shame because I, I would have made really good money. <laughs> so, but like, you know, there's those things that you know that if you're in that spot or like for you, this decision that this is something that I can, I went to dance. I know how to move my body. I'm connected to my body. And realizing that even as we have this discussion, there are people listening with the constructs of what they were taught that we never should have even thought that, or you never should have done that. Or it's so sad that you had to do that. Or all of those things that then cause them to chop off parts of themselves and not yeah. see themselves fully. That's, I mean, that's actually part of why I chose that story because it is a story of radical visibility if ever there was one, right? And right. a lot a lot of people have judged me for it, but it is the best, most empowered, most self-affirming mm-hmm. and self-centering in my own life decision that I had made up until that point, right? Mm-hmm. So it was 
what about 20 just around 1920 um it it was the first time that I had really actually taken control and the first time that I thought I can do hard things because they move me in the right direction because it's aligned for me even if I even if it means I need to work through complicated parts as well and I grew so much through that experience and when I started it was 10 pounds for one dance right so I mean the first the first shift that I worked I probably made about 50 quid or something because I only got a handful of dances in a very short time I was selling stag shows that were like 1500 pounds for 15 minutes um and that was for me and you know one or two other participants um it, it completely blew my mind how just by being in my power being present building relationships being prepared to be seen and share who I really was it changed everything it changed it changed everything virtually overnight so then this just wants me to lead down into LGBTQ plus community um, first and foremost, neurodiverse communities, obviously also, and then females, but for the LGBTQ plus community, you know, just think of all the things that we're taught. Just think mm-hmm. of all the things that you've been taught that aren't acceptable, that aren't appropriate, that you're going to hell for. I just saw a TikTok video and she's like, oh, what? I'm going to go to hell. Well, I'm not going there. So, oh, you're going to threaten me. I'm going to go to hell again. Well, I'm not going there. (laughs) It's almost like, you know, you just because it's told to you, we take it on as this is your truth. If you're like this, you're going to go to hell. You know, that first time I kissed the neighborhood girl, I think I was like in the fifth grade. And I was like, oh, shit, like this. I like this. Why am I told I can only be with boys? Because I don't really like that. It's fine. But, you know, it wasn't electric for me. And yeah. so it's kind of like how what are the what are the things that we can do like as LGBTQ+ plus people and to create that courage for ourselves. So asking yourself that question, the audience to ask yourself that question, what is the next step of courage? What is the thing that I have nothing to lose? And then where are the support systems in which you can be supported? And if you need a support system, you can reach out to me, um, DM me and email me or whatever. But like, these are there's the some, things we've been There's talking. something we'd love to add to that. Yes, please. I'm also in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Although I have a cis male husband, I'm bisexual and very openly bisexual and as a present partner relationship. And I have been out for over 20 years. And... I really want to highlight the fact that there's a cultural narrative you and I are aware of it because of our lens of work, where it's like, mm-hmm. eh, just go for it. The only thing that's stopping you is yourself and, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I really just want to pause and take a moment to say that it is not on you to have to grow to meet where society is insufficient. So it's society is letting people down. Society is taking upon it itself or, you know, us as a collective, like collectively, human beings have taken it upon themselves to say this is not good enough that's not good enough that doesn't fit this doesn't fit and it's toxic for everybody and then we then say and it's you the person that is suffering the most that has to somehow overcome that and like fix the problem and so I just really want to say that fundamentally like I I absolutely believe that there are ways to co-create incredible shifts in your life and that you know it's the kind of thing that Rachel and I help people do every day but 
also to recognize that it's okay to feel let down by society and it's not for you to have to like fix everybody else so we just say stay maybe screw everybody else but that doesn't always feel safe or it doesn't always feel internally right and that that's okay too and so for the people that are maybe not necessarily inside of the LGBT community or who are not necessarily neurodiverse or maybe even that are not women or you know if anybody in your audience that happens to be watching this we can all take a stand for each other's humanity and make the make the change at the social level rather than putting it on just that each one individual to carry the burden of all of it is really heavy. Yeah. And I think it's, that's, you know, I hear it so often. It's part of that, you know, it's I'm responsible. People say to me all the time, well, I'm responsible for things that have happened to me. And to be completely honest, you're not. Yeah. You're, you're like you're, you couldn't have done anything different because this is what you've been taught. Now, you know, people say, well, you know, I am because I made the choices, but you only made the choices because what you were taught how to make the choices. Yeah. Yeah. People be like, yeah, I want to do the right thing. You always do the right thing. If you're connected to yourself, if you are, and the right thing is variant. So it doesn't, it's very subjective. It doesn't, there's no, like it's, we, try to live in this dichotomous world and we that's what we want to think we live in and we don't yeah I mean this is something you know I'm writing a book right now about this but it's something so excited it's it's something that we talk about a lot because even when we think that we're taking off the limitation it's kind of like the the there's another invisible glass ceiling that we don't know is there because our culture is like a glass box And in order to be able to fully break free of that, in order to make any kind of really radical change in your life, you have to not only take off the things that you can see that are holding you back, you actually have to take the whole glass box off. Now, it doesn't mean that you cannot then choose to keep the parts of it that serve you well, but you absolutely have to learn to see behind it. And so what so much of the work that's out there winds up doing is it, it, you know, it tells you, yeah, so here's a great example right people leave their job because they recognize that it's constricting and it feels awful that I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do it my own way but then they still overwork and underpay themselves and they still have an employee mindset and there's so many other things and they're still frightened to show up and you know these are things that we see every day and it comes because you took off the visible part you know you took off the part that you could feel was crushing you but the invisible glass box is still there that is the culture that tells you what to think and believe and how to behave and all the rest of it. So we actually have to dismantle that and then see what we can see beyond it. And it's challenging. It's hard work. It's it's genuine emotional labor. And it's also the most worthwhile thing you could possibly do with your life. Yes. I mean, like all, all day long, I was talking to a couple of friends and, you know, they're asking me how I've gotten this far. And I've been experiencing an enormous amount of emotional well-being and financial abundance in the last few months. Um, and it, I told them it's because you, you do the deeper work. And this kind of dismantling does feel risky. Mm-hmm. And when we understand that the dismantling is only our perceived identity, but not our real identity we then create, begin to create the real identity. This shows up in communities as well as in business. 
you know, the minute I decided to say and no, no longer hold back that I am a lesbian, I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community in my business, it began to really reach those people that I wanted to serve the most, right? Yeah. When I said I no longer have to do these things, which I, I pretty much said my whole entire life, I've been bucking the system, rebelling, being aggressive, being too sensitive, all the things that people told me that weren't helpful to me have now become extremely helpful to me in living the life that I want to be living. So, um, you know, this is why I'm working with Morgana. You can definitely see, see why this is and because it is about a deeper process and to be willing to say this, I know that this person can help me. I mean, I've waited for a mentor like this for a really long time and I've been highly, highly selective and everything has happened up until this point so that I could be at this point, right? And, and have this kind of way of being. So if you are listening or watching and you're like, I feel that trapped. I feel all this tension within me. I feel like I'm taking off these visible layers. Yes, I started a business. Yes, I said, okay, I'm going to say I'm a lesbian now or I'm going to do this thing. And then you still find yourself coming up against that next glass ceiling. It's time to do the other work. And it's, it's a beautiful kind of work too. So Morgan, did you have anything that you want to add before we just wrap this up? Well, I know we're going to come back for another episode where we're going to actually talk to people more about, you know, how does some of this, how does some of it work? How can you start the process of doing that? So I don't know that there's necessarily anything else to say apart from, you know, make sure you come back next time. Because today we've talked a little bit about why we need the courage to start to take these things off. I think it would be great to come back and talk about what that process looks and feels like. Um, Because it, it, very often people are actually already in that process and they don't know mm-hmm. they're there yes. and it's so dark and it's so scary and it actually it, it in terms of the the energy of, of that process it is actually the longest day and only the shortest night right but it can mm-hmm. feel like an eternity when you're in that darkness if you don't know that and you don't know how to navigate it so lots of people um that I encounter are actually already in the transformation you know, they've, they've, they've done so much great work. They've got into the transformation and then they're sort of stuck there in the chrysalis and they don't know how to come out of the dark. Um, and so we're going to talk about some of these things, I believe, in our next time together. Yes, there, there will be a second part to this. And I love that you brought that up because just yesterday, my client, she's like, I need to change the conversation I'm having in these areas. Like, she was able to say, these are the things. And she's like, I feel all this tension. I was like, stay in the tension. Cause you're almost ready. Like you're hitting this precipice. Like, you know, how many times have you told me this? Like you're hitting this precipice and just, I'm here with you. Hold on. Um, and we do do a lot of work by ourselves and I see people doing it every day. And then if you feel like it's time to take it to the next level, make sure to tune in on how you can start really discon um what do you call that deconstructing all the Mm -hmm. other parts and the process in which that happens i want to thank you so much for coming on the road to radical visibility show and podcast is such 
a wonderful honor to have you here. And I can't wait till our next session or our next like episode. Um, so I'll end this video, like I end every single video, please make sure to stay true to yourself, be kind to others and always, always, always honor the wise one that is within you. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.